0: Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter five, and we'll meet there in just a few minutes. I want to encourage all of our men uh, that uh, if you haven't signed up on the list uh, for our men's night out this Thursday, the bus will be leaving. I believe the announcement said at five thirty. We'll be going over to JW Steakhouse or JR Steakhouse uh, in um, Eastview. So uh, if you can go uh, and be a part of that, we want to encourage you to sign the list in the uh, foyer. Thank you. Also, uh, I want to thank Michael for uh, leading our singing class at 5 o'clock. If you haven't had the chance to, to be a part of that, I want to encourage you to, to come and be a part of that, uh, learning some new songs and different parts in those songs. Uh, maybe maybe you can already sing, then that's great. Then we need you. So I want to encourage you to be there at 5 o'clock. Uh, maybe you don't know some of the songs or some of the new songs that are out there uh, that are being learned. Uh, this is a great opportunity. Maybe you just enjoy singing. Uh, And so this is a great opportunity to learn some of those new songs and learn those different parts and sing and be a part of that. And so we want to encourage you to do that uh, each Sunday at 5 p.m. However, Michael's not going to be here this next Sunday, so uh, that will follow up the next Sunday after that. Uh, Be mindful of our young people. Our young people tonight are down at Pickwick, and so uh, we're thankful that they're able to support them and the area-wide that's going on there. Uh, But we do miss them, and so that's where they're at tonight. Um, I've mentioned uh, to some, I didn't mention it uh, publicly, uh, but uh, Greta, and Mer- uh, Greta and Nolan are in Maryland tonight. Uh, Nolan has his uh, checkup uh, from um, from when he had his transplant uh, in the morning. So if you don't mind, I'll be praying for Nolan. Uh, I, think, I anticipate things to go well, but uh, you never know. So uh, I'm thankful that they made it there safe. Uh, but he will have that checkup in just uh, in the morning. We've been looking at the Beatitudes, and tonight I want to look at the one that comes from Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Now Jesus, the Bible says, seeing on the multitudes, He went up on the mountain, and when He was seated, His disciples came to Him. And then He opened His mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I found several quotes that deal with this particular beatitude. Uh, John Stout writes, Right at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus contradicted all human judgments and all nationalistic expectations of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is given to the poor, not the rich, the feeble, not the mighty, the little children humble enough to accept it, not not to soldiers who boast, that they can obtain it by their own prowess. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, "...Jesus knows all about the others too, the representatives and preachers of the national religion, who enjoy greatness and renown, whose feet are firmly planted on the earth, who are deeply rooted in the culture and piety of the people and molded by the spirit of the age. Yet, it is not they, but the disciples who are called blessed." Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Clarence Jordan writes, "...God does not force His kingdom upon anybody, but gladly gives it to all who know they're losers without Him and humbly seek His help." Simon Tugwell writes, "...It is really only the poor in spirit who can actually have anything because they are the ones who know how to receive gifts." For them, everything is a gift. Michael Crosby says, The kingdom of God can only be received by empty hands. Jesus warns against, number one, a worldly self-sufficiency that says you trust in yourself and your own resources and you don't need God. Jesus also warns about a religious self-sufficiency. You trust in your religious attitude and moral life and don't need Jesus. Someone else has said we are uh, to be spiritually poor only for the sake of becoming spiritually rich. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? You see, to be poor in spirit doesn't mean to be poor-spirited. It doesn't simply mean to be shy or reserved. Neither is it a bragging about being a humble person. You know those people that say, I'm the most humble person I know. And that's not being poor in spirit. On the other hand, it's also not feeling so unworthy like, like, I, like I can't do anything. That's not being poor, poor in spirit. And so what is it? Someone has suggested being poor in spirit means knowing yourself, accepting yourself, and being yourself to the glory of God. And I want us to think about these three, the, these three things. Poor in spirit means knowing yourself. It's important for us to be honest with ourselves. The book of James talks about looking into the mirror of God's Word. To be revealed, to see revealed who we really are. Uh, You know, sometimes we often say that we are our worst critics, aren't we? Yes, sure we are. Uh, I've also heard that uh, many times when we are critical of other people, we're critical of the very things that we struggle with. And then sometimes we can look at people and we can say, you know what, I'm pretty good because I'm not like those people. But the reality is, what, what, what we're talking about here is being poor in spirit, is being able to really, honestly take a look at myself. To see my strengths. And to see my weaknesses. Uh, to realize who I really am. To realize the things that I am strong at and the real things that I'm not that strong at. We'll notice a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a minute that'll talk about that. We've talked about that before, about how we fit into the body of Christ. But even as we fit into the body of Christ, it's important for us if we want to be poor in spirit to really know ourselves. Uh, to know ourselves as the way God created us. We're all created differently. We all have different personalities. Though there are some similarities in those personalities, we're all given different personalities. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. And it's important for us to honestly look at ourselves. If we want to be poor in spirit, to honestly look at ourselves and know how we've been created. It's also important uh, to, to be uh, practice being poor in spirit uh, to, to be able to accept ourself. You know, some people, that when they discover who they really are, when they are honest with themselves and, and they look at themselves, they, they, they want to uh, avoid that. Uh, they don't want they, they to really uh, be honest about their strengths and their weaknesses. Then they move on to a life of pretending. Warren Wiersbe says this, someone uh, or, or the inability to accept ourself can have serious emotional and spiritual consequences you see when we accept ourselves it's a lot easier to accept other people when we see ourselves as imperfect when we see well there's some things that we are stronger in there's some things that we are weaker in then, and we accept that then it's a lot easier to accept other people with their strengths and their weaknesses isn't it and that's being poor in spirit but being poor in spirit can also mean being yourself The way God created you, not for our glory, but for His glory. You see, then that carries with it to be poor in spirit, uh, to accept ourselves to the glory of God means, listen, we don't just sit around and stop growing. We don't get to a point and we just, well, I've done everything I need to do. It means we're constantly growing in every area of life. Not staying the same. Not so we can say, hey, look at how much better I am, but so we can say, I'm doing this to the glory of God. And God is to be glorified. That's the goal, to please God. Wasn't that the goal of Joseph? Joseph could have said, you know what, I'm I'm the youngest one, at least right now. I can't do what all my other brothers can do. David could also have been in that situation. Yet he didn't. God used him. He gave him these visions. And God used him to protect the people. Now, there was a difficult route to get there. But God used him to protect the people. He kept growing. And his goal was to please God. He accepted his position. He accepted who he was. But he did it to the best of his ability for the glory of God. You see, when we do that, it means we use our strengths to overcome our weaknesses. And it means we use our weaknesses to discover how we can grow more to glorify God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. Paul accepted where he was. He accepted how God was using him. Even if it meant being persecuted, in reproaches, in needs... In persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, we might look at that and we say, "Yeah, but that's Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle Paul." Yeah, you're right. That's the same one who said, "You know, there's sometimes the the, the times the, the things that I want to do I don't do, and the things I don't want to do I do." This is the same the same one that that struggled that that had the thorn in the flesh and pleaded with God, please remove the thorn in the flesh. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul through that writes, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because Paul accepted where he was at. And Paul took and accepted where he was at and he used it to the glory of God. To be poor in spirit means knowing that in myself I am bankrupt, but in Christ I am rich. Do you remember what Paul talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? He talked about the different parts of the body. And often in the body, sometimes we look at what other people are doing and what other people can do and we say, Boy, I just can't. I can't do like them. And the reality is... God's not asking you to do like them. God said, I've created you the way you are, and I want you to accept that, and I want you to use that to My glory. We also might sum up being poor in spirit by using the word humble. You see, the person that is poor in spirit is the person that is humble. And there's some evidences of humility in the life of a Christian for example, one evidence is those that accept others because they have accepted themselves. Remember we talked about that? When we accept ourselves and our strengths and our weaknesses and our, our good things and our not so good things, then we can accept others. And when we do that, that's evidence of being humble and practicing being poor in spirit. When we accept ourselves, we accept others, and we accept ourselves as who we are, the creation of God created in His image and seeking to grow every day, submitting to God and giving Him the glory. But you know the type. You you know the type of when others succeed, they're happy for them. And when others fail, they try to encourage them. That's being humble. That's the, the ones that are being poor in spirit. But then you also know the other type. Those who, when others fail, they're happy. And when others succeed, they're sad. That's not being poor in spirit. That's pride. Remember when young David killed Goliath? Oh, Saul honored him because he was glad that he got rid of his enemy. But what about when people started singing the praises of David? And all the people, all the, uh, the, the ones that, that David had conquered, and yet Satan hadn't conquered that many, or, or Saul hadn't conquered that many. Saul became envious and angry. Saul was not practicing being poor in spirit. He was not practicing being humble. But David was different. David acted differently. David never used his position to promote himself. He was always willing uh, to allow God to do the promoting. Do you remember when God had already anointed David as king, as the future king? Do you remember when he caught Saul in the cave? He could have killed Saul. In fact, he took a part of his garment. Do you remember what David said? How can I do this against God's anointing? You see, he still respected that position. He allowed God to do the promoting and not himself. He knew that God had already anointed him. But he waited for God to do that anointing. You see, he was humble. At least at that moment in his life. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 14, the Bible says, "And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him." Why? Because he was humble. And it was evident and he practiced being poor in spirit." Remember also the constant friction between the apostles. We've looked at it in John. It's also recorded in Matthew uh, chapter 18 and verse 1. It's also recorded in uh, the book of Mark chapter 9 when those disciples, they were asking each other a question. Who is the greatest? Now let me ask you a question. If I'm concerned about who the greatest is, can I be humble? Can I be practicing living poor in spirit? Well, we all know the answer. You see, and they struggle with that. And it's interesting that when they were struggling with this question, that Jesus then pulls aside a child. And He says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Why did He do that? Because a child knows He's a child and He acts like a child. Some people would consider it offensive if a child began to act like an adult when they're supposed to be acting like a child. And vice versa. We would look at an adult that acts like a child and see it as offensive, wouldn't we? You see, because an adult acting like a child is not accepting themselves and not accepting themselves as God created them and not accepting their place and using it for His glory. They're not practicing humility and being poor in spirit. You see, King Saul... He pretended to be something he was not. He was not humble. But many times he pretended to be. But he didn't humble himself like a child in order to be all God would have him to be. Even when God gave him second and third chances, when you look at the life of King Saul, when God gave him those chances, he continued to be rebellious and disobedient to God. And his chances eventually ran out. And God was not with him anymore. And he ended up taking his life in battle. Another evidence of being poor in spirit and being humble in the life of a Christian is accepting circumstances. Now this this one's a little tough. Because for all of us, I know myself, when when things are going great, man, it's easy to be happy. It's easy to accept those circumstances. But when things are not going my way, it's a little harder, isn't it? Remember how we started, though? It's important that we honestly look at ourselves, and we honestly look at our strengths and our weaknesses and we accept who we are. Not for our glory. For the glory of God. And that's being humble. And that's being poor in spirit. And that's evident. That's evidence of a life, a Christian life lived in humility. When our circumstances do not go our way, do we become angry and critical? Uh, When my circumstances do not go my way, am I trying to manipulate circumstances for my own benefit and comfort? Am I willing to give in to make things easier for somebody else? Do I cut corners and pull deals to accomplish what I want in life? You see, that's not being poor in spirit. That's not being humble if that's the way we are. But that's the challenge when things are not going our way. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to read Matthew chapter 4 and see when Jesus was in a difficult situation, how He handled that. He kept on saying to Satan, but it is written. How did Jesus handle a situation when when people were trying to kill Him? Well, when it wasn't His time, there was nothing they can do because God wasn't going to allow it. But when it was His time, when it was His time, He accepted it. All to the glory of God. And folks, for you and I, the child of God, that's where it gets tough and difficult. That's where we need prayer. We'll talk about some of those in a minute. That's where we need encouragement from one another. That's why it's important we're together. Not, it's not just about uh, coming together for a service, but other times. That's why it's important we're together and we encourage one another. Paul said in Philippians chapter four and verse 11, "For I have learned in whatever state, what's that?" Circumstances. I have learned in whatever circumstance I'm in to be content, to accept it, to be humble, to practice of life, of being poor in spirit, and give God the glory. Now this doesn't mean that the Christian never tries to improve their circumstances because that, that's, that would be complacency, wouldn't it? That's not contentment. But it does mean that the poor in spirit do not become irritated and uncomfortable in circumstances and spend their time complaining to God and mankind. Another evidence of humility in the life of a Christian is a right attitude toward things. The person who is poor in spirit does not find his satisfaction in things that he can do or things that he cannot do. let 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 me share that again because that I struggle with that. A person who is poor in spirit does not find his satisfaction in things he can do or things he cannot do. He doesn't find satisfaction in things that he can do with or things he can do without. Because it's all in God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12 I know both how to be a base and how to abound. I know how to have nothing and I know how to accept nothing. The things that, that the blessings that I have been given and not allow them to be my master, Paul would say. Someone has said he does the, the person that has the right attitude toward things does not measure a man's worth by how much material wealth that the man owns. For the Bible says in Luke chapter twelve and verse fifteen one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things He possesses. If things change my attitude, then things are my Master and not God. Remember the parable of the rich farmer? I want to look at that real quick. It's found over in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and I want you to notice some of the things of of Scripture here. That the Bible says it's about the the parable of the rich fool. And remember, we've already heard uh, uh, coming from uh, chapter 15, or, or verse 15 from chapter 12. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them. He told them this story The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? What is that? My things. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up, things, stuff laid up for you for years, for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So he so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The one who lives a life of humility, has the right attitude toward things. He sees those things as blessings from God and not as things that should possess Him. Someone has said material wealth is either a window through which we see God or a mirror in which we see ourselves. Someone also once wrote, a man is rich in proportion to the number of things which he can afford to let alone. Paul said it better in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. That's evidence of a life of humility. But why does being poor in spirit and living a life of humility bring blessing? An attitude of a a humility is exactly opposite from what the world teaches, isn't it? And it's usually opposite from what most people practice. What does the world say? Well, I need to get what's mine. And I don't care if you're in the way. As long as you can help me get what I need, we're going to be friends. But if you get in my way, then friendship is out the door. But you see, God calls us to be different. How is it then that we, are to, that we practice this life of humility that can bring blessing to us when we live in a cutthroat world? You see, humility can help us to be more godlike. And anything that makes us more godlike is bound to bring blessings, isn't it? Even in a world that will not accept it. The psalmist says in Psalm 113, verse 5, Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth? The Son of God. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, "...humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross." You see, Jesus exemplified that life of humility. And that's why He said, "...blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Someone has said, "...true poverty of spirit is the soil out of which the fruit of the spirit can be cultivated." How do, we, how, how do we practice the fruit of the spirit? We humble ourselves before the Lord. We accept who we are. We accept where God has, has placed us and where God can use us, and we do that through His glory. And when we do that, the fruits of the spirit or the fruit of the spirit, can grow. Humility means that you look to God for everything you need. So finally tonight, how can we cultivate a life of humility? First, I think, as we've already mentioned, not only do we accept ourselves, but we accept God's view of ourselves. You see, we had to do that when we became a Christian, didn't we? We had to be willing to humble ourselves, to submit to God, to surrender our life in obedience to Him. We talked about it this morning. We had to believe that He's the Savior and then we could go down in that watery grave so God could save us and us in the church. We had to accept how He views us. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul writes, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to see ourselves as sinners and in need of a Savior. Romans 3 and verse 10, Paul says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And that's why Jesus would remind Nicodemus in John chapter 3, You must be born again. What do you mean? You must submit to the will of God. Someone has said, Once you accepted God's estimate of yourself, it was easy to accept God's remedy for your sins. We had to humble ourselves and then God could lift us up. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, For I say, though the grace given through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, humbly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, Paul is not necessarily suggesting that we don't think about ourselves because that's, that's really impossible. We have to consider ourselves. But he's warning us not to think more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. You say, that's living a life of humility. Think about, think about some of the examples of Scripture. Think about Moses. When he kind of argued with God a little bit, when God called him to go to Egypt and lead the children of Egypt out. Moses used all every excuse he could find. Well, I can't speak well. I can't do this. I can't. God says, "I made you. Who made your tongue? It was me." All that centered on his weaknesses. And not on when I'm weak, then I'm strong because that's when I rely on God. Gideon made a similar mistake when God called him to deliver the people from the power of Midian. You remember he kept saying, "Well, give me this sign, give me that sign, give me this sign, give me that sign." I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just the youngest. We're, we're the least in in the tribe of Israel. And then when he had his mighty army, God dwindled it down, right? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Moses and Gideon and Simon Peter accepted God's estimate and acted on it, they accomplished great things for God. And so can we. So can we. When we accept the way God sees us. So can we when we submit ourselves to God daily. We draw strength from daily times with God, don't we? You know, I can think about it in my own life. When I spend more time with God, I'm stronger spiritually. And I see people who spend a lot of time with God and they're stronger spiritually. You know those people, the first thing in the morning, they're getting up and they're spending time with God. They spend time in prayer. They spend time reading His Word or in devotion. And when we do that, we can take the power that we receive from that and we can carry that throughout our lives. Day. Someone has said, what digestion is to your body, meditation is to your soul. And what food is to digestion, the Word of God is to meditation. Jesus declared to Satan, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, it's important. It's important that we submit ourselves to God daily. It's important that we spend time with God daily. Sometimes people can think, just the few hours that we spend in this building a week. And you think about that. If we're here at every service, that's about four hours a week, isn't it? Give or take a little bit. That helps us. And that part's important. But think about that added to what we do daily. And folks, it will make all the difference. You see, we don't read that King Saul was a great man of prayer or that King Saul meditated on the Word. But in the Psalms, what do we read about David? David constantly was seeking God, talking to God, and letting God talk to him granted, we understand, we understand the situation that really humbled David, don't we? We do understand that. David had gotten to a point and we might say, uh, back in the old days he had become too big for his britches. And he needed a little humility. And then we read that truly humble life in the Psalms. And then the third thing that we can do to cultivate this life of humility and being poor in spirit is look for opportunities to serve others. Did you get that word? That there was an important word in that statement. Look. You see, I'm afraid too often I'm not looking. You know, Ben talked about in our class this morning how sometimes we can become so tunnel vision we miss some of the things going on around us. You see, it can help us to live a life of humility when we look for opportunities to serve. Humility and service go together. You see, the proud man looks for others to serve him, but the humble man looks for ways to serve others. Didn't Jesus say that? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but... To serve and to give his life a ransom for many, Paul would say in Philippians chapter two and verse three, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves." When you think about some of the great characters of Scripture, they were not elevated to lofty positions first. you see they had what we might consider lowly positions or they were servants moses tended sheep joseph was a steward david was a shepherd and because they were faithful in the little things god elevated to them to higher positions where they could continue to glorify god in a bigger way blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The story is told of a young American student who visited the Beethoven Museum in Bonn, Germany. The student became fascinated by Beethoven's piano that was on display there. It was a thrill to think that Beethoven had composed some of his greatest works on that piano. The student asked the museum guard if she might play a few notes on it. To help persuade the guard, she slipped him a very generous tip. The guard agreed and the girl went to the piano and played the opening of Moonlight Sonata. And as she was leaving, she said to the guard, I suppose all the great pianists who come here to play, uh, come here, they want to play on that piano. The guard shook his head and said, no. The famous Polish, Polish pianist, when he was here a few years ago, he said he wasn't worthy to touch it. A life of humility. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who practice a life of humility, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're here tonight and for whatever reason, um, you're outside of Jesus Christ. It's our prayer. If you truly believe that Jesus is your Savior, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, who came in the flesh, walked on this earth, showed who God really was, established the church, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, was raised, and ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. To prepare, and He's prepared that place for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. You, tonight, can come in contact through that death, burial, and resurrection to that blood that He shed on the cross through the water of graves of baptism if you truly believe. And we will assist you in that tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and um, maybe there's been some things in your life. Maybe, to some degree, we've gotten too big for our britches and we need some humility. And you want to ask God for forgiveness and ask God for help. And maybe it is you're here tonight and I want you to look around. Our crowd might be a little smaller, but you got people here that love you. And if you're struggling with something, we want you to know, don't walk out of these doors, continue to struggle without help. We have people that will be here for you, that will love you, and that will help you through those struggles. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, don't wait another moment, but come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together, we stand and sing.